Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. Welcome to Gems for the Journey, Wisdom from the Word of God. Thank you for tuning into our podcast, Gems for the Journey, Wisdom from the Word of God. And we're your hosts, Matthew and Stephanie Garrity. We are founders of River of Heaven Ministries, which is one of many conduits that God is working through for such a time as this to bring freedom, healing, deliverance, revival, awakening, and new life in Christ Jesus to the nations. In Gems for the Journey podcast, we are going to explore the amazing depths of the Word of God in order to mine out those gems, those nuggets of wisdom that there are within the text and the context of Scripture as well. Scripture teaches us that the Holy Spirit searches the deep things of the Father and brings them to us. He teaches them to us. The Word of God also says it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it's the glory of kings to search it out. There is the Logos and the Rhema Word of God. The Word of God stands for eternity. It is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It is able to divide the thoughts and intents and motives of the hearts of mankind. There is so much to explore. So you'll want to tune in every week because you will be changed from glory to glory strength to strength, faith to faith, because faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. And you're going to learn to walk in victory and move from victory to victory as you listen to and receive from the river of God that's being poured out through these vessels from the throne room of grace. So make sure you subscribe to Gems for the Journey, Wisdom from the Word of God, on Apple Podcast, cpnshows.com for the Charisma audience, or wherever you're listening from. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May His face shine upon you. May He be gracious unto you. May He lift up His countenance upon you. And may He give you His peace. Amen. I know you're excited to tune in, and we're excited to bring you these gems from the Word of God. And now for today's podcast. Well, praise God. It's so good to be with you again today for another exciting episode of Gems for the Journey, Wisdom from the Word of God. And we're your hosts, Matthew and Stephanie Garrity. And we're just looking forward to exploring another portion of this tremendous gem for the journey that we've called the River of God. And so in our first podcast, in episode one, we began to look at really the first time the river of God is mentioned in Scripture, and that's in Genesis chapter 2. And we talked about in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You know, that's in the book of Genesis. And then it says that he created a garden, and out of that garden flowed a river. So he put a river there, it caused it to flow out of the garden, and from that river came four headwaters. And each of those headwaters had a name. It was Pishon, Gihon, Hedekiel, and Euphrates or Parath. And each of those headwaters' names means something uh, in the Hebrew language. Pishon means increase. Gihon means bursting or breakthrough 
or even new life issuing forth. Hedekiel means rapid or swift in darting. And finally, Euphrates means fruitfulness or sweet. And then we took it a little bit further. We talked about how not only did God put a garden in Eden, and not only did a river flow out of there, but in 1 Corinthians 3.9, the word of God says that we're God's garden. We're God's masterpiece. We're his building. In other scripture, it says that we are the temple of the living God. And last podcast, in episode two, we talked about in Ezekiel chapter 47, that the principle for not only us being a temple, was that the prophet Ezekiel was given a vision of the temple in Jerusalem. And out of the temple flowed this little stream of water that began to get deeper and deeper and deeper. And eventually it became a what? A river that you couldn't even walk across. You must swim. And so we began to explore the understanding that we don't want to just be feet deep in the river of God. We don't want to be shin deep. We don't want to be knee deep or even waist deep, but we want to be people of God that swim in the river. We use the example of if you had, just picture the ocean as a giant body of water that was fresh water and it's crystal clear. And you go up to the ocean, that vast ocean, and you take a cup and you dip it in that refreshing, sparkling water, if you will, and you drink it and, and you're refreshed and you're filled with, with that water. And that's what many people do. They'll step their foot in, they'll dip the cup in, and they'll drink the water. But God has called us not only to drink the water, but to actually submerge ourselves in the water. And that speaks of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and so many other things. But really, it speaks of the fullness. It speaks of uh, what it says in John chapter 7, verse 38. Jesus said that if we believed in him, that out of our innermost being would flow rivers of living water. Okay, it says on that last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart or out of his belly, out of his innermost being shall flow, what? Rivers of living water. Okay. And so again, we must be engulfed. We must be immersed. We must be filled to the point where it's coming out of us. If you're not full, if you just take a drink and you've got a little bit of a filling, but you don't have an overflow, you're not going to see that living water pouring out of your life. But if you're submerged in it, not only are is the living water going to be flowing out of you, it's going to be dripping off you. And really anywhere where you encounter dryness, anywhere where you encounter something that is other than flowing and is other than wet, is other than abundant and full of breakthrough and full of fruitfulness, sweetness, and full of uh, purpose, you're going to be able to impart that to that situation. Why? Because again, those are aspects or characteristics of the river of God. And if the river, if you're engulfed in the river, if you're swimming in the river, 
if, if you abide in the river, then you're going to have that river to offer to other people. But again, if you just drink to have a little bit of filling for yourself, there's no effect to anyone else, okay? No effect to anyone else. You're okay. You're saved. You've been full of the Spirit, but there's no overflow. There's no outflow to anyone else. Hallelujah. And so we discussed that there were three scriptures, Genesis chapter 2, Ezekiel chapter 47, and then finally Revelation chapter 22 that deal with this gem of the river of God. And today I want to jump into Revelation chapter 22. And whereas Revelation 2 speaks of the river flowing from the garden, and Ezekiel chapter 47 speaks of the river flowing from the temple, Revelation chapter 22 speaks of the river flowing from the throne of God, the throne of God. Before we go to Revelation chapter 22, let's first go to Revelation chapter 21 verses 9 through 27 to paint a little bit of the picture and give a little background. It says this, Then one of the angels who had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came to me and talked with me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. And again, notice how this is very similar language to what we read in Ezekiel chapter 40, which set the stage for Ezekiel chapter 47 with the river flowing out of the temple. So again, in verse 11, Revelation chapter 21, verse 9, or excuse me, chapter 9, verse 11, having the glory of God, her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal, 12. Also, she had a great and high wall with 12 gates and 12 angels at the gates and the names written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of children of Israel. Three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. Now the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And he who talked with me had a gold reed to measure the city, its gates, and its wall. Again, similar language to Ezekiel chapter 47, where we see the man or the angel that was before the prophet with the measuring rod in his hand, measuring. Verse 16, the city is laid out as a square, its length is as great as its breadth, and he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs, its length, breadth, and height are equal. So a few things here, there's many other gems here, Uh, we're just going to briefly touch on this, but the bride in Revelation chapter 21 is the Lamb's wife, is the church. The New Jerusalem is another depiction of the church. We are a temple of the Holy Spirit. There is a, there's an earthly Zion. There is a spiritual Zion, okay? But the church is, is a, everyone, the Jew, no, no longer Jew nor Greek, nor no longer slave nor free, but we're all one in Jesus Christ. The church is this glorious, holy temple. The gates of the church are, are what are the gates? The tribes of Israel. The root of Christianity is Judaism. And notice how there's angels at the gates. Uh, we know that the archangel Michael watches over Israel, and he really watches over the 12 tribes of Israel. But here there are angels guarding each gate. There's angels guarding each one of the tribes. The foundation of this city is Jesus Christ. The church, the foundation of the church is Christ as the chief cornerstone. 
And what is the pillars that the, that the chief cornerstone has upon it? Apostles, the, 12, the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. That's what we find here. The Bible says in the New Covenant that, that the church is built upon Christ as a chief cornerstone and then on apostles and prophets and on and on. So let's continue in verse 22 now. But I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And the city had no need of the sun or the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light, and the nations of those who are saved shall work in its light. And as the kings of the earth shall bring the glory and honor into it, its gates shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. But there shall be no, by no means enter anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Again, this speaks of only those who are going to come into this city, only those who can get into the temple, into Christ, so to speak. Remember, we're in Christ and he's in us. So again, we find the church in all its splendor and glory, the bride of Christ and the bridegroom, the Lamb. And this really sets the stage for Revelation chapter 22, because this is where we find, again, the throne of God. And out of the throne comes a what? Comes the river. Revelation chapter 22, verses 1 through 5. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of the street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Again, this is very similar language to what we find in the book of Ezekiel. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the lamb shall be in it and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face and his name shall be on their foreheads and there shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of sun for the Lord God gives them light and they shall reign forever and ever. Hallelujah. And so the Apostle John, again, was shown this great revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ. John was shown heaven. He was walking through heaven in a vision and the throne of God and the Lamb. And he was shown this river of life flowing down from the throne. And then we see the tree of life. Where else was the tree of life? It was in the garden. We see a garden here again paradise. We see the throne of God. In Genesis, God walked with man. We see the the river of God. In Genesis, we see the river of God that flowed out of the garden. We see trees and we see sustenance for the trees and trees bearing fruit and there being no curse. Again, that was what it was in the garden before the fall of man. And so we see that this understanding of the river of God, that as Jesus is the last Adam, not only is this flowing from the throne of grace, not only did, did the Lord put this from the beginning and cause man to be one that would steward his garden and be royalty in his kingdom and, and take care and have dominion as a king in the earth and, and 
stewardship as a priest would, but God also then redeemed man after they fell by bringing Christ who was the last Adam. And man was what? Redeemed back into his kingship, redeemed back into his priesthood. As it says that we are a a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special people, his treasured possession, 1 Peter 2, 9. We are the garden. We are the temple. When we receive Christ, he enthrones himself upon our heart, upon our heart. And watch this, out of that throne, again, out of us as the garden, out of us as the temple that holds his presence, where is everything flowing from? It's flowing from the one who sits upon the throne. It's flowing from the Lord of glory. It's flowing from Jesus Christ, who is the living water. He's sitting on the throne of our heart. And out of the throne flows that river. But it doesn't just stop there. Because in Psalm chapter 22, 3, it says, But God, you are holy, watch this, enthroned, what? On the praises of Israel. Another translation says, God, but you are holy, enthroned upon the praises of your people. The praises of your people. And so, wait a minute. So, whatever you see a throne, guess what else is also there? A river. So, when we praise and worship the Lord, there becomes now an extension of His throne. And so, as His throne is established, as we praise Him, and He enthrones Himself upon uh, the praise of His people, upon our praise, guess what? Now, all of a sudden, there's a river that goes out. A river goes out of your praise if it's if it's uh, praise that you've enthroned the Lord upon. If you're talking about yourself and you're singing about your experiences with God and you're singing about all these great things uh, in your life, that's wonderful. But who is the object of your worship? Who is the object of your praise? It's Jesus Christ. And as we worship him, as we quote unquote enthrone him on our praise, how do we enthrone him? We begin to speak about who he is. We begin to decree that he's the Lord of glory. We begin to cry out, holy, holy, holy. We begin to decree that he's the mighty warrior that breaks every chain. That he's Jehovah Rapha, our healer. That he's Jehovah Sikhanu, our righteousness and justice. That he is infinite. And as we begin to talk about who he is, he begins to enthrone himself and demonstrate who he is. Hallelujah. And so as we praise the Lord, out of that praise and worship comes a river. Out of our prayer, as we enthrone the Lord and invite Him, Oh Lord, You're worthy. Lord, I thank You that You are who You say You are. You are awesome in this place. And so Lord, Your kingdom come and Your word will be done on earth as in heaven. As we begin to pray and we begin to bring petitions before the Lord and talk about who He is, a river goes out of our prayers. A river goes out of anywhere and everywhere where the throne of God is. And as God is truly enthroned, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth. As what? The waters cover the sea. Okay? And even as one time the oceans covered everything, that the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the whole earth as the waters cover the sea. Well, how does the knowledge of the glory of the Lord cover the earth? 
We need to profess and proclaim that our God reigns. And as we proclaim that he reigns, we decree that he reigns, as we demonstrate that he reigns, as we set the captive free, uh, bringing healing and freedom and deliverance, as we sing about it, prophesy, declare, decree, pray, preach the word of God, everywhere that that throne is established, there's a river. And then the river of God begins to just take over the earth. Again, wherever there was the river of God, there was what? The glory of God. And God's will in Habakkuk, it tells us that the knowledge, God's will is that the knowledge of him, the knowledge of his glory would cover the earth as the water covers the sea. And so we're part of that, beloved. You can't say, well, I can't do anything. No, no, what can you do? What you can do is you can open up your mouth. You can first swim in the river. You can first delve into the river, swim around, go down deep. But then our responsibility is what? To pour out the river. Out of our belly shall flow rivers. Out of our praise shall flow rivers. And for all the worship leaders out there and the prayer warriors and the worship, if there's people from the house of prayer movement and worship movements and all these different things we call movements, but really are just an expression of the kingdom and who we are as royal sons and daughters of God, I would encourage you that if you're not singing vertical songs and you're not praying in a vertical way, begin to do so. Because we can only offer things horizontally, meaning across in the human natural realm, if we first have received them from a vertical place, from the spiritual realm. Uh, even as Jacob saw the ladder and angels ascending and descending, Jesus said in John 1.51, don't think it's strange. You're going to even see greater things than this. I tell you the truth. You're going to see angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. We only have something to offer if we first have a vertical relationship with God. And what do I mean by that? I mean that everything comes from God, through God, and back to God. So if things come from God and they move through God and through us as his vessel, then we better give it back to God and not just leave it here and talk about things here and talk about what's going on in my life and what's going on in my situation. And, and that's great what God's done for you, but what about giving the glory back to him? I want you to think about the water cycle for a moment. The water cycle, God designed it to come from heaven, move through the earthly realm, and then come back up to heaven. And if we don't understand that in the spiritual realm, then all we have is something down here, but the cycle never is completed because we've never given it back to God. See, in the water cycle, the clouds become pregnant with, with rain. The rain comes down and then we have sustenance and we have moisture and we have uh, streams and rivers and all these different uh, bodies of water that are replenished time and time again because of the rain. We have rainforests that are nourished and all these different manners of life, of ecosystems are, are helped. But then what happens? Uh, evaporates and steam and because of the heat and that steam or that 
evaporation, the water goes back up into the cloud and we start the whole process over. And there would be no rain if the process never completed the cycle. And so what happens when we've got something moving vertically? We've got God pouring out his spirit and we've got God pouring out his rain, if you will. And it's moving to and through folks. But then people never thank God. They never worship God They only talk about themselves and their experiences with God. They never give it back to God. Oh, Lord, you are glorious and you are worthy of all honor and praise. You are the Lamb of God. You are Jehovah Nisi, my banner. You are Jehovah Shalom, my peace. And we never give it back to God. I want to invite you to understand today that that will produce a lack of rain coming back down. Now, sometimes God will just do it out of his goodness But I'm telling you that a lot of times we don't have the rain because we don't complete the cycle, because we refuse to give glory back to God. You remember the story about the lepers? Jesus cleansed 10 lepers, and only a few of them came back. I'm telling you that God's done all different types of things in our life, but how many of us give him back the glory? Or do we keep the glory to ourselves? Are we guilty of touching God's glory? Even in the worship and prayer movement, have we become those people who talk about everything horizontally of what God did this way and how he's doing this and what God experientially and and there, but refuse to give it back to him so that he can say, yes, that's who I am and begin to enthrone himself all over again on our praise, begin to enthrone himself all over again in those regions that we're praying for and begin to pour out again his river, his rain, his river, oh, his glory, hallelujah. So Father, we just thank you. I thank you for every nation that's listening. I would encourage you, pastors and leaders, worship pastors and ministry leaders, there's so much strength in what we say out of our mouth. And I want to encourage you with this today, to be a a vessel that always gives the glory back to God. Be a vessel that always pours, just acts as a conduit and pours things back unto God to complete the cycle so that the cycle can continue. The cycle of the rain, the cycle of the river coming down. How many of you know if something's full and it never pours back out, you got a problem. We can begin to feel dry. Why? I want to invite you to understand today that dryness is a result of not pouring things back out to God. It's a result of not giving glory back to God, holding it all in, saying, well, I'm good. I'm good to go. I'm filled. I'm good. I'm saved. Good. I'm ready to just, I'm going to relax here and I'm waiting for Jesus to come. That's not the way. That will be a very dry, dry life because God is a God of and seed time, and harvest, and reaping, and sowing, sowing, and reaping. And so if we don't sow back to the Lord, how can we expect to receive? If we don't sow into others' lives once we've received, how can we expect anything to happen in our life? And so, friend, the river of God is an amazing, amazing gem for the journey. How can you apply this? Simply this. By inviting God to come into your life if you don't know him as your Lord and Savior. And how do you do that? Well, if you're hearing this broadcast that God drew you here by his kindness and goodness, 
to lead you to a place of repentance. You might say, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing what you're saying and I'm in a very dry place right now. I'm hearing what you're saying and I don't, I don't know what to do. I, I don't know where to turn. That's a very real place a lot of people are in. And the answer is Jesus Christ. Repent, say, I'm guilty before you, Lord Jesus. I turn this day, I repent and I turn to you. I turn to you, oh God. I turn to you for your goodness. I turn to you for your grace. I turn to you for deliverance. But ultimately, I just turn to you. And friend, if you turn, God says this, that you're saved by grace through faith. Amen. Well, God bless you today. Thank you so much for tuning in with us. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious unto you. May he lift up his counts upon you. And may he give you his peace. May the river of God flow out of you more than ever before. And we'll see you next time. If you'd like to connect with us, you can go to our website at www.riverofheaven.org. River of Heaven Ministries is advancing the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven through various means. In James 1.27, Scripture teaches us to care for the widows and the orphans. We take this seriously and are actively involved in supporting widows and others in need on a monthly basis. Together, we can do more. Additionally, our radio broadcasts and podcasts reach all nations, touching lives worldwide. Daily, new listeners hear the gospel, and through these broadcasts and podcasts, millions have an opportunity to repent, believe, and receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Listeners also learn about powerful Tabernacle of David principles through our teaching, encouraging all to worship the Father in spirit and in truth with great passion and purity. Your financial gift of any amount will help us to continue to support those in need and allow us to launch high-quality recorded radio broadcasts, podcasts, and teaching that are available for free to anyone who has internet access. With your prayers and financial support, we will continue to reach millions in our generation and multiply millions in generations to come. Thank you for partnering with us. Another way that you can support our ministry is by buying Matthew's new book, Holy Spirit, the Sevenfold Spirit of God. In this book, you will learn the history of the Spirit of God, the characteristics of the Spirit of God, the nature of the Spirit of God, and the ministry of the Spirit of God. You will get in-depth teaching on the Holy Sevenfold Spirit of God and how to walk in it. You will also have applicable worship and prayer points, and new prayer declarations and decrees. You can buy this book by going to our website on our resources tab. This book is also available on Amazon, Apple iBooks, and anywhere books are sold. Thank you, and may God bless you.